Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens, with my co-host, Jordan Parisi. Jordan Parisi's in the house. Again. Again. It's like... Regular now. I know. It's a good thing that uh, your real job lets you be flexible and uh, just show up sometimes. Yeah, but we do this at 7 p.m., so that's why I'm oh, able to come here, because uh, I'm working course. all the other times. Yeah, of course. Right. I know, you're, <laughs> this, I know you're a hard worker, and that's why we've adjusted our times and doing our podcast. Uh, all right, so... I've been trying to have this guest on for like the entire season, and I think I even tried a few times during the summer, and our schedules just never worked out. Uh, Jared Pike. Jared, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm awesome. So Jared, a, a player from Salt Lake City, Utah, who has is playing NCAA, and Jared, you and I barely knew each other. So typically, and Jordan, you were just making fun of me. So most of the guests we have on the on the show, like, grew up either playing with my son or I knew him from back in the day. But Jared kind of, like, I, I barely even remember meeting you, like, two, three years ago. Is that is that what you remember as well? Yeah, I mean, I've always known uh, UJ um, as being kind of a local goalie. I've seen you at pickup skates here and there, but... Uh... For the most part, you know, I haven't uh, spent a whole lot of time around you, but uh, I've heard a lot of good things about you. No, I appreciate it. But uh, and it's funny because I said when it, I remember having a conversation with you one time in a locker room, and and I like I was just kind of getting to know who you were. Tegan told me he's like, oh yeah, that's Jared. You got it. You know, he's playing somewhere. And I was like, oh, and you and I were talking back and forth, or I think we were actually kind of arguing about why uh, pro or why the University of Utah couldn't go NCAA, or we we're arguing about something, and you were like. Uh, you said something about me, and I'm like, do you know who I am? And I didn't mean it like, wait a minute, don't you know who I am? I just was surprised that you knew <laughs> I was surprised that you knew who I was. And I was. And the funny thing was, I was saying, oh, yeah, well, I help try to get players out of here because the way, thing I do is I call Jordan's dad. I say, because he was coaching in the USHL at the time, I'm like, hey, we got a player here uh, I'd like you to take a look at. And then we'd fly him to you know Des Moines and have him. Have your dad evaluate him or have Marty Mielli evaluate him. Or, nice. Yeah, so... Uh, anyway, uh, Jared, where are you right now? Uh, I'm currently playing for AIC, uh, just living off campus, so I'm at my house right now. I just finished the day off at school and with practice, and uh, just taking it easy right now. So AIC, American International College. Yep. Which is which is where? Springfield, Massachusetts, about 90 miles uh, west of Boston. And believe it or not, you're not our first... Uh, interview from AIC. We also had a, a goaltender, um, Ben Mel. No, no, I'm trying to remember who it was. I can't remember who. Uh, Meisner. It was it Meisner? Did he play there? Yeah, he did. I, I believe he did. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say his name, but then I was like, wait a minute, no, maybe it wasn't him. So it was him. Yeah. So we, we've had Ben on the show. Ben, ben was a, a fun guest as well. So AIC and. and it just blows my mind that you're there. You're NCAA, and you guys just clinched your conference again this year, correct? Correct. 
And that's and that's amazing because last year nobody saw that coming. You guys just kind of came out of the blue. You're the Cinderella story, and uh, and is is that correct? Yeah, I mean, we had a really my freshman year. We had a really large class come in. A new coach named Eric Lang had just taken over the program uh, from long term coach Gary Wright. And our first our first year was just kind of adjusting, uh, getting used to AIC and the college lifestyle. Our second year, we were kind of. Uh, you know, we started winning more games, but we were still kind of on the backside of the conference. And then last year, um, the team is kind of older. You know, we had more experience, and uh, just kind of the second half last year, we just we found our game. And uh, ever since then, we've never looked back. And uh, yeah, now we've just continued that into the season. Yeah, and uh, how did you get out of Utah? Like, where did you grow up playing? So I first started uh, when I was, I think I was four years old. My parents had to lie to the Salt Lake County. Uh, program about my age because i was like just so obsessed with hockey like i would wear my helmet to school and try to take my <laughs> stick to school and wear my skates to bed and like i i mean i was just all over the game ever since i like ever since i had my first memories and um so i played for the county program for two or three years and then i played one year with the utah stars two or three years with the wamaha junior grizzlies yeah and then I went over to the Davis County Eagles for one year, and then the Utah Regulators for three, um, and then I, I ended up going to California for the LA Junior Kings. Was my first year outside of Utah. What? So what age group was that? Sorry, Jordan. I was going to ask how old he was. Um, I'm a '95 birth year, so I turned. I just turned 24 uh, last December. No, I mean when you left uh, Utah and then went out to LA. Oh, I was uh, 17. Okay. All right. So that and that was the the. So was that Junior A with the Kings, or what was that? Uh, that was U18 AAA. Oh, okay, okay. So, man, I'm just I'm just clueless about what, you know, like when you were playing here and how you got out of here. So uh, who was on your Eagles team? Was that like when Brickley was playing there and Sam Taylor and those guys? Was that your? That was actually, so I was on the, the very first Eagles team. That was, I think, one or two years after I played there. Uh, on this team was Andrew Berglist. Travis Corey, uh, Landon Ayler, my brother Brandon Pike was on the team. Okay. Um, Jonah Bolton, Dakota Glines was our goaltender. So. Oh yeah, Dakota. Okay. All right. So yeah. <laughs> I remember Dakota. Yeah, of course you do. Dakota was a he's a character. He came to all your goalie camps. Um, tell me about like at what point do you realize you're going to actually get to play? Like, where did you go after LA? Where did you play juniors? So from L.A., um, I was drafted into the NAHL by Bismarck Bobcats, um, and that's that's where I played. I had two years of eligibility after my second year of U18. I played both years there, and then um, it was like April of my last year in Bismarck, I committed to AIC. What was that process for you? It was pretty tough. Like, I mean, playing in the North American League, you, you play so many games, and being an age out, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't had a whole lot of interest up until after the top roster, top prospects tournament, which is uh, held in February every year. And, um, yeah, I just battled my way through it and, you know, started talking to AIC a bit and a couple other teams. And once Lang was hired, you know, they called me. I think it was actually the day after Lang was hired here, the assistant coach at the time was uh, Mike Towns and called me and offered me a spot on the team, you know. And I just I did my research on Lang, and uh, it, it only took me about, I think, 
eight hours. I think the same day I called him back and said, hey, I'm in, like, you know, I want to be a part of this. I want to go in and help turn this thing around. So you didn't uh, go through... It was, it was, oh, I'm sorry. I was ahead. just... So you didn't go through the process of, of flying out there and doing an official visit or anything? Nope, never, nope, never got a visit. Just, uh, you know, committed off of uh, my own research and uh, showed up uh, the following August. Never had been to the school and just kind of uh, played it by ear. That is awesome. Um, what uh, when when you made that transition from call or excuse me from juniors in the North American Hockey League into uh, you know NCAA Division One? What what did you expect or what was unexpected when you came in? You know the level of play, the speed. Uh, you know the the people that you were playing against. I mean, I see right now you guys are twentieth, and I and you know when I was in college, AIC was in the process of their rebuilding, for lack of a better term. And uh, you know, so now I I can see that it's just been year over year where this organization has gotten better and better. So when when you came in, like, what was the biggest transition for you? For my game, so I'm I'm a pretty I'm six foot four. I'm a tall forward. I play a really gritty, you know, uh, hard nosed game. And in the North American League, I, I basically just had you know free will to just go out and run around, finish every check, um, and play kind of an uncontrolled game because you know the defenseman in that league would sometimes panic with the puck, and it was really effective. Uh, but the transition to college, it was it was way more of a controlled game, a lot more pre scout, a lot more you know penalty kill, power play scouting goes into it, a lot more like your neutral zone coverage changes every game depending on your opponent. Um, and for me, it was just it was adjusting to more controlled. And you know sometimes I I couldn't be as aggressive as I wanted to because I had to like you know smart pressure and stick detail and it was just mostly the control of the game and uh you know the overall pace was a little bit faster the passes were a little bit crisper but yeah it was just mostly the you know the control of the game what about you as far as you know making sure that you're up to task as far as training you know cardio actual strength uh skill development all of that you know that entire process is once you once you became a division one player is that something that is you're constantly, you know, getting better at every day. Are you going to the rink before, before practice, after practice? I mean, what is what's your process? Yeah, it is, and actually, you know, the toughest thing about that because you know, in juniors, kids are really taking it serious these days too. But throwing in a full time, um, you know, schedule for classes was a big adjustment because in juniors, you you practice in the morning and work out in the morning, then you have the whole day to yourself to do whatever you want. Just go play Call but of Duty and stuff. Like, yeah, you know, play Call of Duty, <laughs> Fortnite, whatever it might be, you know, which, you know, which was a lot of fun, but, you know, coming here, it was like, man, I got, I got class. So I'd get up in the morning. I remember my freshman year, my first semester, we'd have like workouts every day through September. And then I'd have morning classes. Then we'd practice around like one or two o'clock. And then I think on Monday nights and Wednesday nights, I even had night class. So it was like an all-day thing. And it was like, man, this is like, you know, I'm, I'm used to it now. But at first it was like, man, this is a lot of work. And, and trying to, you know, eat properly in the dining commons because you don't really choose what you eat. You know, they just they have one or two meals and you just you kind of got to eat it and do your best. Yeah, you get a side, um, and yeah, decide between a salad and sloppy joes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, every school kind of faces that, you know, that problem to some, to some extent at least. And, uh, you know... So trying to be on the top of my training game, you know, which I, I had been in juniors and then, you know, translating that to college, that was probably the toughest part was just, you know, the classes and, and, and all the pre-scout that goes in every game and you have to memorize plays and coverages and, you know, it was, it was a lot of first. I'm Dave Cauley. 
investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. So then now you're in your senior year. What have you, you know, learned more about the college game in preparation for, you know, whatever the next step is for you, whether it be, you know, professional here or overseas or whatever? What, how does everything look for you going forward? Well, I think the biggest skill I've learned here um, is just to be coachable and pay attention to detail because when, when a coach says something once, they don't want to repeat themselves. And you don't want to be the guy that goes out and, you know, misses a shot block or doesn't execute the team game plan. Um, the drill you know, Yeah, the reason, you know, a drill gets messed up or you lose a game in the third period because something happens or whatever. So that, that was something that I've learned. And that's a skill, I think, going forward, you know, in, into the pro game, I think would be, you know, a great asset to have because it's, I mean, it's a meat market there, you know, and if you're not doing the job, you're out of there. And so, you know, you've you got to really be dialed into details. Well, honestly, it's not, I mean, that cerebral, like the way you're talking about all this stuff right now, that's the huge difference between a guy that plays your style coming out of the N.A., making it and not making it in the NCAA. Because uh, it doesn't always fit out of the N.A. Like a big, a big bruising guy like you finishing checks all the time does typically end up getting caught out of position or does, you know... I don't. It just doesn't seem to fit the NCAA mold as well. That's why the little guys do so well. There is there, you know, it's less physical, more cerebral. And it sounds like you really made that adjustment to me. And it sounds like uh, you keep making that adjustment, and you've really grown on the intellectual part of the game, the hockey IQ part. Just not being just, a student of the game, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's that yeah. hockey IQ that's that's made you successful at this level. Yeah, it really is because, you know, I've, I've always kind of had, it was my last year in Bismarck, I just, I started working really hard and, you know, I, I really carried that work ethic. And so it's never a work ethic thing or I'm faulted, you know, it just, it was, yeah, at first it was just, you know, I just hadn't, I hadn't been exposed to, um, you know, the style of play before. And I've really been a student of the game, you know, really uh, dedicated myself to the penalty kill. And actually our, our penalty kill here at AIC is currently fourth in the nation. So that's, you know, something that I take a lot of pride in. Yeah, you, can make, out, you know, that could help me. Can make a career yeah, out of you that, can make, yeah. yeah, you like can. Trevor. And, and it, yeah, I mean, it's something that, you know, and it's the, the penalty kill alone is a lot of work because every team, um, you know, could throw a different look at you and you've got to be prepared for it, whether it shows up in the pre-scout or not. So it's, you know, it, it's the penalty kill actually is a lot of work to uh, prepare for. I find that with a lot of Utah players, though, that uh, they they get they find themselves at a level, and I, I talked about this a lot with uh, Mason Manick, is that you know he grew up being coached by guys like me that have a, a brief knowledge of the game or other you know we're doing our best, and then they get all of a sudden he's playing for Joe Sackick, 
and they're being taught every level of the game. And we just didn't expose our youth to a lot of the fundamentals. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with with especially with the with some of the youth teams that I'm coaching, the 16 year old teams. Uh, there are certain things where it's like, hey, you know, we're going to work on our neutral zone transition today, but then you get on the ice and a guy can't catch a puck, oh. you know, or a guy doesn't know how to keep his head up, or you know, doesn't know how to grip his stick. You know, these are the these are the things that you run into in, um, you know, and obviously. Utah has done a tremendous job in the last few years of, of changing that or at least addressing it more often. Um, but it certainly has been a problem, you know, going forward. Is just there's all these fundamentals that were not addressed at an early age. Um, and right away, like a lot of kids from Utah, just start right behind the eight ball. So if yeah. you're not a student of the game, it's really difficult to catch up. Your dad used to always tell me, give, give me a player that if, if they can skate and they can shoot and pass, give me a, I'll teach them the game. Right. Because he knew that when I was sending players out of Utah, and I get the same thing from Peter Menino. He's like, hey, they kind of know what they're getting with our Utah players. But that being said, that's 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Now we got guys like Jared and uh, Rick Lee and Alex Haller, or Nick Halloran. So, and, and speaking of that, last summer, I don't know if you remember saying this, Jared, we're all sitting in the locker room, and I don't remember which one of you said it, but you look at, you, you look at Brickley and you're like, hey, remember when we sucked? <laughs> do you remember this? Yeah. Do you remember this conversation? I, that was that it. It was probably in the county ice center locker room. I'm guessing. I think I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I thought it was funny because here you guys were you were sincere about it. You were like, "Hey, remember like four years ago when we sucked, and now we've worked our butts off, and we we're good now, and we're bigger, and we're like he's in the A, and you're on your way." in the NCAA it's just to me I, I say that not I, I think it's funny for one but I also think it, it like everybody needs to know that and and I keep pointing it out with Trevor and I keep pointing it out with Daniel and it kind of makes him mad every once in a while but he wasn't great but he kept working oh and, yeah and he didn't give up right there were times like he well he was growing so fast too that you know he would fumble around like you were just wondering how he's going to tie his skates let alone perform on the ice and then now he's a phenomenal player and now you're a phenomenal player and it's just I want everybody else to know that there's a process and that it's not you're not always at your best and whether it's oh yeah so tell me a little bit do you remember those times you what do you remember about that yeah I remember I mean me and Daniel our first year of U18 hockey it was it was actually both of us it was our last year in Utah and we were playing for the the regulators. I think we were Team Northwest Regulators at the time. They've changed their name now a couple of times. Oh, but, yeah. And we were we were playing in the North American Prospects League. And I don't think our team even had a win until, like, February. And when we got the win, the boombox was playing at full blast. <laughs> and guys were jumping around the locker room. And, you I mean, you, really, you would have thought that we had just won, you know, like the Stanley Cup. And I think it was, like, the Omaha Junior Lancers we beat. But it was like, yeah, like, man, we're... I was kind of, like, at that point in my career, I was like, man, like, I don't even know if I could even play, like, Junior B, you know? Like, I was scared of Junior B, because I had just, I had never been exposed to such a fast play style, and, and going to California, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to make that team, and, and slowly ease myself into, you know, more, you know, more coaching, and more, um, you know, ways to develop my game, but, I mean, I remember, you know, even playing for, like, you know, the Eagles or the Wamaha Junior Grizzlies or, the, you know, even in my younger days, the Stars, whoever it was, you know, 
there was times when we'd go play like the LA selects or the Phoenix firebirds or coyotes at the time. And there were games when we really got destroyed by those teams. And I mean, I remember it like it was, you know, it was like, man, what are these kids doing or eating to make them so much better than us? But, you know, people peak at different times and yeah, just sticking with the process is huge because I mean, my path wasn't pretty. I was always, you know, a second year guy at U18 had to go my age out year through juniors, you know, playing through four years of college. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's never a pretty path for some guys, but it's just, you know, how hard are you willing to work and are you willing to earn it? You know, that's what it comes down to. So the, going to L.A., was did you just go for a tryout? Was that you just took a leap of faith and went for a tryout and made the team? Yeah, I did. I just said, hey, man, like, they wear those purple and gold jerseys and i was like i was a kings fan I, you know the kings were coming off of their 2012 stanley cup run and i was like man like this would be sweet so i just googled la junior kings uh coach his name is jack focus shot you know shoot him an email and he goes come to this cali camp it's like an exposure camp that he he runs for southern california hockey players in um, I think it's in April just to get exposed to like junior teams and, and, and college teams. And I went on there and he's like, yeah, you know, I like you come back for the, the official tryout in June or whatever it was, went there, you know, was lucky enough to make the team. And, you know, I just never looked back. I knew right away that I wanted to go down there and, you know, at least give it a shot. You know, I've made it that far. Why not? You know, and what did your parents think of that? It was, uh, you know, it wasn't cheap. <laughs> so they, you know, but you know, we, we made it work and, uh, you know, they were very supportive the whole way, and they wanted me to live out my dream just like they still do to this day. And, you know, they were, without them, I would never have even had the opportunity. So, I mean, they were very supportive, and, you know, it was tough. First year leaving home and, you know, going to Southern California, you know, where there's more traffic and a lot more people and more diversity, you know, I had to adjust. But, uh, you know, I think it was, you know, not only for hockey, but as a person, you know, I, I did a lot of growing away from home. Yeah, I bet. I was talking to a player last, uh, like two days ago. He was telling me, he's just like, you know, because I asked him, I said, why? He's one of the best players I've seen around, and he's just rough around the edges. And I, I asked him where he played. He told me he basically just stayed playing in Utah always. And he just said, I never took the leap of faith to, to leave the market. I just stayed here and, uh, you know, played at the University of Utah. And, and I, I just look at him, and I think, man, that's that's one of those kids that just, if he would have left, he could easily be a next-level player. He has all the tools. He just didn't have the coaching and then didn't get the exposure. But you got to go to the right situation, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I was just talking with the goalie that's from here, and he was considering going into the NA3HL, right, which is like right. one of those pay-to-play leagues. Yep. And, you know, and I just told the, told his mom, like, hey, listen, I would I would wait until this is your last resort. Because those leagues are, they want people that want to pay, yeah. you know, and so yeah. they're, you, you know, but you have to, if if you were to tell a 16-year-old kid, hey, you should go play in the NA3HL right now, like, I don't think that that would be the appropriate answer. Right. Or, yeah, or the appropriate never advice. Yeah, U18 or AAA hockey, you know, that's what I would look, look forward to. Right. If I was 16. We'd try to get them there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, again, if that is, if the NA3 is your only and that's that's stepping up and that's stepping out for you. Then yeah, then that's the right choice. But uh, at the I, end of I, the, hard, at, I hardly think it is. Yeah, right. And at the end of the day, like the place where you have an opportunity to play is the best place for you to play. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have an opportunity anywhere else, like you got to go. Yeah. Um, but uh, that that's an awesome story, Jared. That's that's great that you stepped out and went after something, and you know you're fortunate enough to 
have that sort of be a springboard for you? Yeah, it, it's been, you know, it's been a heck of a ride. And, you know, I hope that, uh, you know, moving forward, I can keep, you know, taking the game to the next level and just, you know, just keep this thing rolling. Cause it's been, it's been a lot of work, but every, you know, every second, every team, every memory has been worth it. How many games do you guys have left? Because I know that you're just on the outside of the NCAA tournament. So how does that work for you guys? So we have uh, two more regular season games here. We're Wednesday night, we're at Sacred Heart, and then um, Saturday night, we're at Army. And that will conclude our regular season. Um, and then we actually secured a bye for the first round of Atlanta hockey playoffs. Um, so we'll have home ice in a best-of-three series um, against the last seed that wins out through the first round. Okay. And then if we win that, we'll go to the Final Four of our Atlantic Hockey Conference tournament play, which is hosted in Buffalo, New York. Uh, the first seed will play the four seed. The two seed will play the three seed. Uh, just single elimination, and then the you know the winners of each game play for the final. And then out of our conference, the winner um, the winner of that championship will go on uh, to the NCAA regionals. Is is Mercyhurst in your conference? Yeah, they are. They are. So. I haven't looked to see where they are statistically. Is there a chance that it could be you against Metcalf? You know, Mercyhurst, they're actually they're having um, a bit of a down year. I, I think right now they're like 3-20. Um, <laughs> a bit of a down year. <laughs> I saw they got but, swept by Army, but I didn't. Wow, okay. But actually, I mean, Metcalf's been playing really well. They were here um Springfield, actually, just about three or four weeks ago. We played them here, and... We won both games, but man, Metcalf. I mean, he really he stood on his head both nights. I mean, he's so big and so sound positionally. You know, it's you've got to get traffic in front of him. He's so tough to beat on the first shot that you know you've really got to get him moving side to side if you want to score on him. Yeah. But, you know, you know, we could. You know, if they get hot, we could we could run into him. You know, in the in the first or second round. You know, you never know. That would be awesome. That's what that's what I'd like to see. Is well, you know, I like to see the Utah boys battle it out. I always think it's fun, but. Obviously, I'd like to see you guys both do well as as well, but you know, we'll take what we can get. I didn't know they were having that kind of a season. I guess I should follow closer. Yeah, they're having. Yeah, the, my first three years here, they were, um, especially my sophomore year. I think they won the regular season. They've had a lot of talent go through there in the last couple of years. They've had some really good players. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see what happens for you guys. I'm I'm hoping the best for you and uh, that that things go really well for AIC. You have another Utah connection on that team. With uh, I'm trying to th- is it who who's there oh, from the Matu Spodniak. Spodniak, yeah, such a great kid, such an unreal player. Yeah, he's excellent. Yeah, he's one of those few kids that actually he might be the only kid that won. Into the Western States League and went Division One straight out of the league. Yeah, and, you know he he had create like 150 points and like a fourth as many games played. Like I mean, it was just you know he just tore the league apart. So yeah, that, it's yeah, just he, one of those things that it's hard to 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 judge a player in the the Western States League. This is my only complaint about the league. I and I, I get a lot of grief because some people say I bag on it or whatever. And I did just have a discussion on or. An argument online when somebody said the outliers were as good as the Grizzlies, and I had a <laughs> I had a discussion with him about it, and I, I have nothing bad to say about the league, but you do have the Ogden Mustangs, the Outliers, and Hinton or whatever. You have these teams that are running through and they're putting up fifteen goals a night, 
So you have a player like Spodniak who ends up with like 130 points in 30 games or 50 games or whatever, and you're just like, how's that going to tra- how's that kid going to translate into NCAA Division One? But with Spodniak, like you could tell the talent was there. He just liked playing in Ogden. He probably could have played somewhere else. Oh, but, he definitely could have played somewhere else, you know. But he he had the right, you know, the right connections there, and and he he had a good setup there, and. Um, you know, he, he he was given the opportunity here, and you know, it, he, it's been a bit of an adjustment for him. But he shows up at the rink every day with a smile on his face, and he, his work ethic is you know second to none. He shows up every day and works, and I mean, he's just been great to have here. He's really been a, a great culture guy for this program, and uh, you know, I hope I think it'll continue that way for him. So, uh, what words of advice do you have for any of the other guys that are listening to you right now that are trying to follow your footsteps? I just, you know, you hear a lot of people say trust the process and, you know, I got to say that that's like, I mean, that's, for me, that's the way to go because, you know, like I said before, your, you know, your story that you're, you know, the book you're currently writing might not be pretty, you know, and being from Utah, you know, we're not born in Michigan, we're not born in Minnesota, you know, you're, you're from, you got to accept the facts, you're from Utah um, and you really got to be a student of the game and, and study the game, um, you know, give yourself a chance to make some of these you know, these teams outside of Utah because, you know, you know, politics are always involved and it might not be the easiest thing to do, but, you know, like they say, if, if you're good enough, they'll find you. And that's definitely true. Like if, if you work hard enough and, and, and you play the right way, you know, teams, you know, for these younger guys, you know, they'll be found. They will, you know, get to where they want to go. It's just, you know, are you willing to work for it? Perfect. Perfect. Awesome, Jared. I, I hope you have an awesome long career, man. You're right at the – uh Right at that brink, right at the threshold for, for making this something uh, pretty unique. So good luck, man. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for having me on. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a joy. Yeah, we're excited. I'm excited to see what happens with AIC, and I'm really excited to see uh, what happens with you next. And uh, Jordan and I are going to make some phone calls and see if we can't get more, more uh, people looking at you. Hopefully help you with that next step. Yeah, that'd be great, guys. I, I appreciate it. And, yeah, tune in to AIC Hockey here in the next uh, month or so. We're looking to make some more noise and continue. You know, last year we were just one game away from making that Frozen Four. So, you know, we're looking to uh, follow the same footsteps here. We'll know that all of Utah is behind you. Oh, yeah, I appreciate the support and, uh, you know, hope to go out and represent well. All right, Jared Pike, you've made us all proud. And that is today's Utah Puck Report.